When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Let's talk about six, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about six. Twelve minutes to go in normal time. Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Yeah! This Red Agenda Extra is dedicated to one of the brightest young talents in world football. At the age of 22, he's already won the Champions League, the Premier League, and there's still so many more chapters to be written in what looks like an incredible story. Well, Simon Hughes had an exclusive conversation with Trent Alexander-Arnold, the would-be Liverpool captain. Um, Simon, great that you had a one-on-one with him and great that he opened up so much. I think we should treasure the relationship that we have with a player who has that local connection with Liverpool Football Club. They don't come around that often when they've got that amount of ability. Yeah, I think um, it was something that really needed to sort of happen after Steven Gerrard left the club. You know, I think that sort of the connection between um, the, the the present and the past was temporarily lost when when Stephen left because when you think about it, it's a bit of a baton that's been passed from sort of generation to generation, decade to decade. You know, Stephen Gerrard was was coached by Steve Highway and Steve Highway was managed by Bill Shankly. So that sort of Liverpool um, identity was transmitted through those relationships. So when Stevie Stevie left, it felt like you know. Um, it was the end of an era, really. Who was going to come along next and and become the player that connects the past with the present? Obviously, Trent has done that. Um, you know, Trent was was uh, coached by Stevie a little bit. You know, when Stevie was initially came back in and did some coaching at the academy, and I remember doing an interview with with, with Stephen. Um, I think it was. I think it was just around the time when uh, he got the under-18s manager's job and he, he was really confidently saying, you know, the Trent is going to be a first-team Liverpool player and uh, is going to have a massive impact on the club, basically. And I thought, wow, that's that's some some claim that, you know, to come from Steven Gerrard. I thought they must be really confident that this this lad is going to be very good. And, I, you know, I'd, I'd heard about him, but I didn't know, you know... Um, you know, you hear this a lot, don't you, in, in modern football now about, you know, he's got a lot of potential. You know, every player at Liverpool's got a lot mm, of potential. They all have, haven't they? You're never quite sure, really, if, if, if they're going to be able to make a leap. But obviously, he came in um, uh, into the first team and made an impact straight away, which uh, just incredible sort of rise, really. You know, as soon as Jürgen Klopp made him his first choice right back, he was taking free kicks and taking immense responsibility from, the you know, from a very early age, even younger than... And Stephen and, and Jamie Callagher. I mean, he's he's redefined a role on the pitch, hasn't he? You, you say right back. He's a right wing back 
but he plays like no other player in the league and perhaps in world football. I mean, it's it's sort of a player that other teams could only dream of having. Yeah, I think he has. I mean, I think that obviously players out of the clubs who've, who've had similar impacts in terms of their capacity to get up the pitch and and make, you know, sort of a front five at times. You know, there's a lot of teams play with with a, a front three and when you've got two full-backs, it becomes a five. But I think where Trent is different to those players, because I wrote about this not, um, about 18 months ago and I got a lot of Real Madrid fans saying to me, oh, you obviously weren't watching Marcelo when he was, you know, doing it. And I was like, well, Marcelo is obviously a fantastic footballer, but his, his responsibilities are very different to Trent's in the sense that, you know, Trent really is, is, is sort of, I hate using this sort of term, but he is a quarterback playing at right back. You know, it's his, it's his passing really. That sets him aside. I think is 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 crossing and his passing, his appreciation of space and where to where to manipulate the ball and where to send it all the time. Like I think you know you could argue something like Marcelo is is a lot closer to Andy Robertson, who who whose appreciation of the the space that he has around him helps Liverpool to expand the play. And obviously Robertson, you know, I'm not saying that he's a, he's a good he's a bad crosser of the ball or a bad passer because he's not. He's obviously had a, a huge number of assists, but I, I do think that Trent offers a little bit more in that sense, you know, in terms of um, the, the depth of his passing and the range of his passing. Um, you know, he's able to switch play. And when you've got Trent on one side of the pitch doing that, and you've got Virgil van Dijk towards the left, able to play those diagonal passes, it means an awful lot for the way Liverpool can um, sort of switch the game and put players, uh, put teams under a lot of pressure and overload very quickly. So yeah, they're both very significant players in that sense. I think Van Dijk and and and, um, and, and Trent. I think traditionally, obviously, the, the sort of the playmaker really has been the, the central midfielder. Whereas now, you know, the Liverpool's midfield is a workhorse. Is really, you know, they're, they're expected to run, run, and run. Whereas the sort of key passes and key sort of start at the base of the, the sort of play comes from the the sort of the defence really. Absolutely fascinating interview you've done. If people haven't read it, I really urge them to to have a look at it because you you don't see many interviews with Trent that give this sort of um, insight and in-depth element of him. And in the piece, you start talking about the tougher times that he's experienced over the last year, which is is crazy because he still is only young, but he's achieved a lot. And of course, all players hit these tough moments. It was a massive learning curve for him last year, wasn't it? Form dipped, the team's form dipped as well. How do you felt he he personally responded to that? What was he saying to you on that front? Yeah, I mean, uh, the really impressive thing I, I thought in the interview, and I, I, I sometimes think, I sometimes think players are sort of reluctant, maybe to be self-critical. I can understand why that is, you know, generally because you know, if you're self-critical, you're just giving a headline towards to to to, to sort of certain news outlets to to give you a right good hammering. Um, I suppose obviously Trent sort of opened up post this period where he's sort of feeling better about himself again. But he, he, um, you know, he was really critical of himself. Really, you know, sort of not not just um, sort of the team's performances, but himself. He says we were all feeling sorry for ourselves. It's like you know everything was going wrong. You know, expecting people to do us a favour. It's like that's just not the way the world works. You know, and he, he was he was like that can't happen again. Really. Um, and he, you know, he admitted that the Liverpool sort of season fell in line with his season. You know, in terms of the performances, very 
you know, they, they, they were top of the league at, um, on Christmas Day, let's not forget. So they did all right the first half of the season despite a few challenges, but then obviously fell away dramatically in January. Um, Trent started the season, you know, with COVID, didn't, wasn't able to train properly. Um, got a bit of rhythm into his game, then got injured against Manchester City, which was obviously a big game, you know, away at City. And then was out again. So he was in and out, in and out. And when he came back in, it just coincided with the, the dip in form of the team. So it was a really difficult period. And you could see the way he was talking about it. I mean, it, the way he sort of spoke about some of the um, the defeats, it was like it was an embarrassment for him to, to lose those games at home at Anfield and be a part of that that record. But I, I do think you've got to give an open credit to him and Liverpool for getting out of that rust. I mean, I, I, I personally thought he were done in the league. Um but yeah, it just shows you the sort of the spirit that the club and the players are able to generate, you know, out of sort of some improbable circumstances. And he he was Trent, I would say, was crucial to to the recovery of the team. He, he was excellent the last two months of the season and deservedly, you know, I mean, the the questions around him with England, I just think are just absolutely crazy. Like for me, he's he's he's. I think he's the best attacking right back in the world. I haven't seen anybody who does what he does. I just think maybe Gareth Southgate wanted somebody who's a, a bit more secure defensively, who, who, whose instinct isn't necessarily to get forward all the time and create. But you know, this is this is like the highest level of the game. If you miss, if you're leaving out a world class star, I just, I just, I just couldn't get the thinking around it to be honest. And he, I, he, I, he, could, I, he couldn't avoid that noise either, could yeah. he? I mean, let's yeah. let's be honest. He's he's a young lad. He probably sees social media. He's he's watching the the Sky Sports News channel. There's no way that he could avoid the conversation that was relentlessly going around England. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was it was a very tough period for him. I think it was the first sort of period in his career where you know people were genuinely questioning who he was or what he was capable of. You know, any sort of mistake that he made was pounced upon. You know, he made. A bad mistake against Southampton away, which obviously led to Southampton's winning goal. Um, I think he made a mistake in, in Madrid as well, if I'm right in saying. You know, and it sort of almost gave people this sort of validation that he's not the player that you know, a lot of Liverpool people are claiming him to be. And I, I just think, I find it absolutely incredible, the conversation. I mean, I, I place a lot of value in sort of what match-going fans say. Really, <laughs> got to be careful what I say here. But when, you know, I've been to a lot of games in press boxes where, you know, you, you're sort of close to the opposition fans, you know, at away grounds. And you hear the conversations of those people and they're always talking about Trent, you know, how he's like some player, you know, the way he passes the ball, the way he, he, he sort of moves on the pitch, he makes the game look easy. And just, I, I only hear positivity, you know, around him. It tends to be like I think you know you see a mistake in a game at a time when he's he's obviously having a bit of a rough spell and the conversation becomes about only that. Now I think he did deserve criticism at the time. You know he's obviously not not playing to, as well as he could have done, and I think he was totally aware of that. But it quickly becomes that he's just like you know people I think are just waiting in football to to pull people down as quickly as possible. And you know all all the great footballers have had spells when when uh, things don't go well. Steven Gerrard, you know. Would, would, could tell you about a lot of episodes where, where he hasn't had as good a time and he's had to drag himself out of it. And I would say that, you know, that the way Trent sort of got his head around the back end of the season, um, 
was 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 sort of reminded me a bit of Gerard. Really, it was like right, we've got to you know pull our socks up now and sort of roll our sleeves up and and, and just just fight our way out of this. And that's what that's what he did, and he was excellent. I mean, it, it, you know, obviously the, the premise of the interview was was through um, through Red Bull, and you know, nat- I put in the piece, you know, naturally when you sort of talking about a sponsor, you, you can become quite cynical about the relationship. Ultimately, Trent's being paid to to sort of uh, to work with Red Bull, but you know, it became clear to me that that one of the things that he said at the beginning of the relationship was that you know that he wanted to only work on projects which. Benefited him in a in a sporting sense, you know. He wanted it to to sort of help him develop one way or another. He didn't just want it to be, you know, there's the cash, go and smile for all sorts of things. So, they so came... this is the link into Doctor Daniel Labby, isn't it? Who's an expert yeah. in vision training who works yeah. with, with Red Bull. So it's not just his teammates and his manager who've helped him through this. It's it's certain things that we wouldn't even consider a professional footballer would get involved with. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about vision training. Well, I, again, I was quite sceptical initially, you know, sort of when you start, but then when you start listening to the way he described it and obviously speaking to people around him, you realise actually this has helped him because some of the criticism of Trent was, you know, his, his defensive awareness at times, you know, not necessarily seeing the full picture defensively. So he, he took heed of that, to be fair. You know, I think he thought, well, you know, I, I do have to improve on this, which I think shows quite a lot about his character you know he's obviously got a, a level of humility and, and intelligence as well to be able to realize well I actually probably do need to improve on this you know I you know he is a world-class player but you know that there are things that he certainly needs to improve on so he he embarked on a course with this doctor who, who was from New York initially via Zoom and they were doing sort of spa- spatial awareness essentially so Trump was saying to me that if you, you can only see 50%, if your vision only allows you to see sort of 50% of what's on the pitch, you're only able to make 50% of the choices. So he, if you're able to see 100% of the pitch, you're going to make better decisions on the pitch. So that's the basic premise of it. And, um, you know, there's all sorts of sort of um, online games, which sort of increases awareness and concentration. So, you know, he would have to focus on a certain object on a screen and there'd be lots of other objects buzzing around and he would have to keep focus on that object <laughs> whilst there was loads of things trying to distract him. Like a computer um, game. It's essentially a computer game, yeah. And, he, you know, there were times when he'd use, like, Captain Bird's eye, an eye patch to sort of increase the difficulty of that or, you know, there was headsets that he had to use. So it was quite quite basic in some ways, but, you know, I think he, he has felt the benefits of that and... Um, I mean, the one thing that I don't know whether it quite came across in the piece, but sort of this was going on right at the time when, you know, everyone's calling him out. But a lot of people are calling him out for, you know, saying that he's that he's not he's not the player that he, everybody thinks he is, blah, blah, blah. And he, he he committed to that, you know, at a time when he was under fire. And what, what I found quite, quite interesting is I think players tend to, you know, when you listen to players who are under pressure, they tend to sort of revert to what they know when, when, um, at times of difficulty, whereas Trent actually thought, well, I'm going to actually try and do something a bit different to, to get myself out to this and 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 um, gain a bit more confidence in what I'm doing. And he said, you know, he was he was really good good talking on it, and he he was um, he's convinced that it did help. I mean, there's lots of reasons why he was able to get out of it out of his rut. 
as, as you said, Steve, I think, you know, it's, it's not just that, but it's one of the contributing factors. And it just shows you that I think players, it's quite interesting, really, because I think players in the Premier League now, you know, when you speak to them, you, you sense that they are sort of open to new ideas, you know, sort of something that is a bit different that that is mm. going to give them the edge. You know, I think maybe... It's marginal gains, isn't marginal it? Marginal gain. That, that's the, the term, isn't it, Steve? You just... Uh, yeah. Right out of my mouth. <laughs> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's interesting how you made that comparison between Trent and and Stephen Gerrard and, and the backgrounds. And I did an interview with Alex Inglethorpe recently, and he was talking about why Trent is the player he is. And he, he took me through his path at the academy and how they literally used to torture him every day by putting him against the toughest possible left winger and left back. And he used to come off the pitch absolutely in despair, feeling like he was getting nowhere. But it was... It, it was part of just climbing the mountain relentlessly. And he, he does have that look of Steven Gerrard, doesn't he? Sort of a steely determination, almost impossible to read his emotions at times. When Steven played for Liverpool, you know, he sort of had a, a wider reputation of being, as you said, sort of quite stern, I would say. You know, sort of, but I always thought, whenever I interviewed him, I always thought, I always learned something about the game. You know, really, it was quite educational. You know, he always made me think, a bit differently, you know, was n- never afraid to sort of shatter preconceptions and, and, and spoke really authoritatively about the game. So when people were saying, you know, I can't see Steam becoming a manager, I, I remember thinking, I actually can because he he has his own view. He's very, like, sort of clear in, in, in his messaging. And he's very perceptive, you know, sort of understands the game of football and is able to articulate and, and explain what is happening in a, in a very sort of clear way. So I thought that'll serve him well. And I haven't been really that surprised that he's obviously gone and been very successful so far at Rangers. Um, and I, I did think that with, with, with Trent, I did see a bit of that, yeah, definitely the, the, last, the other week. Because he, he I would say, I mean, they, they were in Austria. They, they were just finishing the training camp. And he was very relaxed. Um, you know, it, it's a bit different when you see players coming off the pitch and you're in the mix zone. And he just obviously played 90 minutes of football and they're trying to, sort of calm down almost from the adrenaline. Um, it was quite nice to speak to him away from that situation because obviously, I mean, I, I don't know how players do it sometimes. Even when you've won, you sort of got to temper your emotions a little bit and bring yourself down because you don't want to say anything too daft. But he, he was, I would say he was as sort of true as he can be to, to himself really in, in this situation. So he, 
yeah, he was very, very relaxed, but very confident as well. And, and again, sort of made me think a little bit differently about certain things that I thought. So I do see that that sort of parallel. I mean, you, you've got to remember he, he's he's only 22, isn't he? Um, I think it was Stephen 22, 23 when he first captained Liverpool. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, he's still a very young player, really, Trent. I mean, he's won. I mean, he's already captain Liverpool. He's already captain Liverpool, captain yeah. For, for the Michelin game, wasn't he, in the Champions League? Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah I, suppose, I suppose Stephen was, was made permanent captain, wasn't he, when it was the Sunderland game, wasn't it? Which he actually lost. <laughs> um, I remember the game well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's obviously a different situation at Liverpool. That, that, I mean, the one thing I would say is I'd say Liverpool are in a, probably a much better shape uh, now than when, than when Stephen took over. I mean, he, Stephen took over in a... In a bit of a crisis situation, really. What? Well, not a crisis, but but Sammy Hippier was was going through a, a bad run of form, and I think Gerard, who they thought, well, we 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 sort of maybe need to make a change here and take the pressure off him. Whereas I think now, you know, I suppose at Liverpool there are potentially lots of captains, aren't there? You know, in that team, but he's definitely got his eye on that. I think I think Pep Linder said. Um, Last month, you know, he's a definite future Liverpool captain. And the, the, the one thing I, I would actually say, I think, I think that Trent, I mean, obviously, Steven Gerrard is his, is his hero, isn't he? Grew up watching him play, he's obviously come into contact with him. But for, it really emphasised to me, speaking to him, just how influential Jordan Henderson has been, really, and how, um, how he looks up to him. I mean, he is his captain. He's the one he's learned all the lessons off. And he said that when he came into the team in 2017, and he was obviously training with the first team before that, he said Jordan's like sort of help and guidance in that period was immense. You know, I don't, I still don't think people realise just how brilliant a leader Jordan Henderson is. You know, in terms of the way he keeps the dressing room together, the way he digs people out as well. He's a bit sort of old fashioned in that sense. You know, he's not afraid to sort of. To, to tell people that they need to book their ideas up if it's not right. You know, and you, you can you can see it, you know, when you're in the ground and on a match day, you can hear him bark telling people, you know, you've got to be quicker. You know, it's and he keeps everybody on the toes. He's a lovely, lovely fella. I, I mean, I really like Jordan. Whenever I met him, you know, he probably doesn't come across in interview the way he actually is, you know, on the on the pitch and say when when it's game time and football. And he sets the tempo for everything that happens at Liverpool. You know, can't train half-hearted. You've got to be on it. Um, so I, I think he's learned a lot from him. I, I think he'll carry that sort of intensity into his leadership. You know, when he when he, he sort of as he matures, uh, I think I think you know in years to come he'll look back and say, you know, uh, one of the biggest influences was Jordan Henderson, and he, he was saying that you know that. There's obviously quite a lot of young lads who've come into the the, the setup in over the summer. Um, you know, he, he again, it, it was quite strange because I said at the beginning of the conversation, Steve, that he, Stephen Gerrard mentioned him as as the player to come through. Now I, I realise everybody's talking about Harvey Elliott a lot more at the moment, but I didn't ask him about Harvey Elliott about like, you know, what's he being like. He brought him up. He, he said, "Look, I, I've sort of decided that I sort of need to get into him to to sort of." Make sure that he knows exactly sort of what it what it's about. I mean, obviously he's taking Harvey, some responsibility. Yeah, now. taking responsibility. He he said he's doing the job on Harvey Elliott and Cade Gordon that Trent uh, that, that that Jordan did for him. You know, four years ago, 
that he's you know getting on top of them, making sure that the they have everything that they need and they know everything they need to know. Um, and he was saying that you know for him he, he feels that if he was Kay Gordon, who's obviously two years younger than Harvey, he should be buddying up really with Salah because he said Salah, you know, again a lot is said and written about him, but he said as a professional. There's no one, you know, better than him, you know, in terms of his dedication to his game and his desperation to improve. You know, he's, again, Salah has won everything there is to win, more or less, you know, in terms of the biggest trophies. And, you know, there's no let up. And he can tell that in his performances, can't you? Even over last season, I I, I thought, you know, Salah for me was, was, was Liverpool's player of the year, really. I thought he was, his standards didn't drop. I thought he was excellent throughout the whole season, more or less. And so I think that's what, you know, sort of getting at here, you know, there's a lot of leaders at Liverpool and different influences and, you know, it's, um, I think Trent eventually will become Liverpool captain. I think it'd be very interesting to see what happens, you know, when, uh, if if Jordan moves on, hopefully it won't be uh, for a couple of years. But, but there's no rush, is there? For, for no, Trent? I don't, I don't you think so. I don't, I don't, I don't sense that, um, it's like, it's, you know, it's an ambition of his, but I, I, I do sense that it's, it's obviously more important that he's, Playing in a successful Liverpool team, it's 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 not um it's not something that is like sort of an absolute focus of his that he must must reach that point. But it's something that he he definitely definitely wants to do. Um, I mean, we keep going back to Steven Gerrard, but Gerrard essentially took the captaincy off Sammy Hoopier yeah. at a very different time. Sammy hadn't even had it that yeah. long, but the circumstances are so different. You can't really make the comparison when you're talking about this sort of captaincy situation. No, it's, it's, it's a very, as I said, it's very different. And, and I think, um, you know, Liverpool are in, I think, you know, much, much better shape. I know there's still a, a few question marks about the sort of the recruitment policy that this summer, but they're in a much better shape than they were. Was it 2003 when Stephen became captain? Is that right? So, uh, you know, that was sort of towards the end of the who. The Julia year, it was a master stroke to give Stephen the captaincy. I mean, for me, it's going to be very hard to, to eclipse what he did as a captain. And I know, like, people will say there were captains before, you know, um, Stephen Gerrard's who, who, who were massively influential and, and dictated the way, uh, you know, the destination of the club, the club's future, you know, with players like Graham Souness and Alan Hansen, you know, Phil Neal. All these players, great captains, but I, I think that Stephen had it harder than all them in the sense that the team wasn't as good. If we're being honest, you know, it was everything like sort of hung on him really. Um, and there were times when he, he just dragged it forward. I mean, I, I don't know how he did it. You know, the pressure of being the local lad, not just the captain, but let, let's let's be honest. I th- he's he's the great in my view. He's, he's he's still the greatest player to come out of Liverpool City. Probably, but beside Wayne Rooney, you know, in terms of it's very difficult, difficult to mark greatness, isn't it? But for me, you know, just in terms of if you wanted to be a footballer, the way he played the game was incredible. But, you know, the encouraging thing is the way Trent plays the game, there, there are very, you know, big similarities with, with, with Steve. And I, I think the way he passes the ball and strokes the ball, you know, his aggression, his determination, um, you know, maybe we'll only be able to sort of make a full judgment on Trent when he's become captain because that that becomes a totally different responsibility overnight. You know, it's being Liverpool captain's not easy. You know, it's not it's not easy, particularly for the local lads. Uh in a city like Liverpool, it's 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 a really big, big challenge. Um so it'd be fascinating to see how he takes that on. I've got no doubt that he'll become 
the captain at, at some point. But as you said, Steve, I, I think you know unless Jordan leaves, it's it's not going to happen uh, anytime soon. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. This is what we've got planned for you across the Athletic Podcast Network this season. The Ornstein and Chapman podcast has been rebranded as the Athletic Football Podcast. We'll release four episodes across the week as our journalists bring you the very best insights into the biggest stories in football and the business of sport. Michael Cox will continue to bring you the smartest analysis of all the big games in the Athletic Football Tactics podcast. Adam Hurry will now host two episodes of the Football Clichés podcast every single week with his usual take on the game. There's a brand new athletic FPL podcast with our fantasy football expert, the FPL General, giving you all the advice you need to stay ahead of your mates and top of the FPL rankings. And the Athletic Podcast Network is also home now to host of club-specific shows, some of which are going to be releasing multiple episodes every week. And we're now your destination, don't forget, for the Totally Football Show with James Richardson and the Totally Football League Show. And that is it. We can't fit any more in. All you've got to do is search for The Athletic in your podcast provider of choice or go to our podcast section on The Athletic app. Not surprisingly, with all of the stuff that I've just mentioned, The Athletic is now the world's biggest football podcast network. I mean, you talk about the connection between him and the fans in the interview, and he and he talks about what the cop means to him and the, and the sound that comes out of the stadium. I thought that really stood out the way he, he phrased it. I've had, we spoke this a lot, haven't we, Steve, about like the impact of the crowds at Anfield and why. I mean, a lot of other fans from other clubs will say, "Well, it's affected every club." Well, of course, it's affected every club, but I just think that just dismisses the identities of fan bases. It's not like every single fan base has the same identity and the same history. And I, I would say, I mean, there are obviously times at Anfield when it can be difficult for home players. You know, I'm not saying it's easy all the time. But there's a reason why Liverpool went three or four years unbeaten at home. <laughs> you know, it couldn't have been, it must have been, there must have been something going right at that time. You know, the players being good, the fans believing in the players. And I'd say that sort of the Liverpool crowd by nature is quite optimistic, really. You know, the, the optimists, and I, I think that they tend to think, you know, when things are looking like they're going to go well, you know, they'll really get on top of the opposition. And I think that, I think there are games sometimes at Anfield when the atmosphere can be very flat. Um, but there are obviously times when it's it's totally different. So um, he, I didn't, really, I, I, I sort of brought that up tentatively, but he really went for that answer, you know, about, you could tell how much he's missed playing in front of a full Anfield, just... You know, the confidence that he gets from, you know, hearing the crowds capitalise on an opp opponent player's mistake or something. You know, he, he really feels that himself and that energy that's, you know, when there's a big tackle that he makes or a pass and the crowds applaud it. You know, the size of the ground, you know, in terms of, we keep calling it the new main stand, don't we? It's, it's obviously been there for five years now. But uh, I think that's actually had a big impact, you know, as well on, on sort of the, the sort of the, the, the way people feel about Anfield because it feels a lot bigger if you're coming as an opposition player, you know. So um, he was genuine in that and he, he was just saying, he said on record, you know, I think that we've missed 
the fans more than anyone else for these reasons, which I thought was quite brave because it, it you know a lot of a lot of people, as I say, will dismiss that notion. But I I agree with them. I think Liverpool desperately missed the fans in a big way. Let, let's let's not forget Liverpool were at a point of opportunity that they hadn't been at for thirty years. You know that is a long time. It's a life sentence. <laughs> You know, the league meant everything and the fans weren't able to take part in that. The players, um, he said at the end, Trent, and again, I thought this was very brave and honest because a lot of Liverpoolians, I'm not saying everybody feels this way, but I think there's a bit of denial about, like, sort of, obviously, you know, it didn't, it wasn't delivered in the way everybody hoped. You know, it was obviously they got over the line, they deserved champions, but winning the league, didn't happen in the way everybody expected. I, I remember spending my old childhood and <laughs> my a lot of my adulthood wondering what the summer would be like after Liverpool finally won the league, if it ever happens. I always remember thinking, it's just going to be a massive, massive party. I mean, and obviously I understand Evertonians wouldn't be joining in that, but, you know, it would have, the whole city would have been absolutely wild, I think. And um, to not have that experience and not to be able to drive around the city on the bus, not to be able to even hear the crowds, you know, singing about Liverpool being champions the follow, following season. It feels like a lot of people have missed out on a lot. And Trent admitted that. He said, he said, you know, that he never envisaged it happening that way. And I, the good thing is, though, he's turned that into a positive. He was saying that I think that, um, that ultimately... We, you know, that gives me something to aim for. You know, it's, he's won the league, but he wants to do it again in the circumstances which dictates that we can have that celebration. So I think in some ways, right at the back of his mind and the back of the, the players' minds, that's a motivating factor going into the season. Um, and he, he was he, he was really, all, all I'd say, in, in that interview, I could sense, you know, when you can see a player's really motivated to go and go and prove themselves again. I think, you know, if fans are able to go inside the ground this season, I, I, I'm confident Liverpool will have a good season this season because I could see that motivation in him. And I think they're absolutely desperate to go and do it again. I understand the challenge has become greater, but they've got, you know, they've got Van Dijk back, they've got Gomez back, they've got Matic back, they've got the goalkeeper, you know, on form. I thought that was really encouraging against Norwich the other day. Didn't have anything to do the whole game. He's called upon at 3-0 up and he makes that save. You know, Trent, I thought, was excellent. Salah, right on it. I think if Liverpool can get up that combination with the six or seven players performing well at any one time and the fans being right back on it, I think they're going to have a, a really good chance. But, you know, I'm not saying they can win it, but I think they're going to go close. I've been enjoying this conversation so much, I've forgotten to do our promo for The Athletic. But uh, obviously, this is the Red Agenda uh, Red Agenda Extra with Simon Hughes and myself, Steve Hothersall. And uh, at the moment, you can subscribe to The Athletic and you can get a discount at 33%. Head to theathletic.com right now and you can read uh, all the brilliant stories that the likes of Cy, James Pierce, Kiva are writing currently uh, on Liverpool. The connection with the Liverpool fans absolutely stood out to me the other day when, when they were singing Trent's song at Norwich. And it got me thinking, I can't remember a right back that the Liverpool fans have sung with that much gusto about. And actually, I was even thinking in the last few seasons and thinking, has Anfield ever heard Trent's name boom that much? It's a brilliant display by the away fans. Uh, he he must be really aware of that, I think. His, his connection there, that, that just strengthens it. 
It must be. It, I always think it must. It goes back to what I was saying before about like sort of being after a game in a mix zone and trying to being able to sort of articulate what you've just experienced. So I remember when Liverpool beat Barcelona and they had the footage, didn't they, of being in the dressing room after the game. Um, initially, it wasn't celebratory, really. It was like Trent was on his haunches, staring at the ground, like, what on earth has just happened here? You know, how on earth have we just won this game? You know, Corner, from position- corner taken quickly. His, corner, greatest, you know, his greatest moment won't ever have his name in the commentary. Yeah. He'll, he'll always be corner taken quickly. I mean, I didn't see it in the ground, Steve, when it happened. I was, I had my head down, you know, trying to think about what I was going to write. And I was just thinking, I can just steal it 10 seconds here. And suddenly I looked up and the ball was nestled, nestling in the top corner and everyone was just like looking at each other. What has just happened there? Is the referee going to allow it to, to stand? But again, that again just shows you you know, that, that's a such a genius from him to be able to do that and execute that. You know, Liverpool don't have many chances left in that game. You know, the, the clock is ticking. So if he messes that corner up, you know, people are going to be on to him. Let's not forget when Aspas did something similar. You know, under, and he's remembered for that. You know, it's a bit later in the game. But Trent, you know, sharp, you know, it was, it was the ultimate sort of thing somebody, I think, from Liverpool would do. It's like, let's be honest, he pulled the pants down, didn't he? No, he, they were all falling asleep and he was like, quickly, let's get this done. And unbelievable. But I was just saying that I just feel it like it must be hard, you know, if you're, he is living the dream, isn't he? Really, he's, he's, he's the local lad who loves Liverpool. He is one of the team's best, he's one of the team's best players. He's in the greatest Liverpool team that has been since the glory days. He's contributing um, to some of the greatest moments that are going to live with people forever. You know, it must be hard to keep your feet on the ground and, and, and almost appreciate that. You know, appreciate the fact that you you are in this moment and you're the one who's defining everything that's happening. And I think that was a reflection of it. You know, when he was in the dressing room after the game, Barcelona thinking, it was almost like he was like, how have I got here? <laughs> you know, like, as he said, he's a lad from Liverpool who sort of lived on without sound sounding too sort of um, little house on the prairie but he, he was you know sort of lad who lived on Queen's Drive he used to go to Melwood to try and get his shirt signed get autographs you know he, you know it's been a meteoric rise really for somebody who 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 um, I mean I'm not saying people didn't think too much of him because he did it at a young age but to be where he is now from the starting point it, it's just incredible I, I would say and I think um he could, you know, in years to come, end up being potentially, you know, if he carries on at this rate, I think he could surpass Jamie Carragher if he's lucky with injuries, you know, in terms of, I think he'd have to have an attitude of, you know, if, if his leg's fallen off and he's broken his leg or something, he's going to carry on like Carragher did to be able to get close to him. But there is a chance, you know, there is a, there is a chance that that could happen. And, uh, you know, he could end up becoming... Potentially, if Liverpool were, were to able to sort of keep that culture of winning, he, he could become certainly the most decorated player in the last 30 years. So I think those sorts of things are, are massive um, uh, and for him and, and things to aim for. And I, I would say is, you know, despite everything that he's won, despite I just sense that he he's not letting up. He, he wants to, to go and, and, and 
you know, it's not enough for him this. It's not enough to go and win the Champions League at the age of 20. It's not enough to to win the league at the age of 21. He wants more. So I think, you know, as long as you've got him and that local that local elements team, the connection that he's got with Jordan Henderson, with the the sort of the the the, sort of the baton being passed from him to from Jared to him. I think Liverpool will always be in a decent place, you know, when people talk about the identity of the team. And I, I think it's important. I mean, I, I know some of the the uh, Liverpool teams of the 80s didn't actually have any local players in. You know, if you look at the, I think the 86 Cup final, there were not even an English player in it, if I'm right in saying. I think Steve McMahon was on the bench. Um, but I think I think it, it, it increasingly sort of, I think it helps a lot, put it that way, if, if, the, if there's a local player in, particularly in times of needs, you know, that people remember that, that there is somebody trying to fight fight for the local cause. Simon, absolutely brilliant. Absolutely love that uh, that conversation and the article uh, to back it up is well worth the read. So check it out now. Simon's an exclusive interview with Trent Alexander-Arnold. Hope you've enjoyed that Red Agenda Extra. Uh, we'll be back uh, after the weekend. Of course, Liverpool with a home game against uh, Burnley. Two Red Agendas a week now, one after the weekend looking at the game and one uh, looking at perhaps a feature later in the week. So thanks to Simon for his time and we'll catch up with you all soon.